Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Amen. We're going to talk about discipleship. The reason I'm talking about discipleship is because this year we have endeavored to be serious about the topic of making disciples as was Jesus when he gave the great commission and said, go make disciples. It's great to line up with what was important to him. Because when the church gets in line with what he's doing, the cat's walking in the right direction and the stroking is more pleasurable. It's only when the cat's in the wrong direction that the stroking is uncomfortable and is frictioned. So this year we want to be as serious as Jesus was. And we've come to uh, the seven of the eight topics that we intended covering this year which is uh, the topic of discipleship. Having come from the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the power of prayer, responsibility to the Word of God, the importance of evangelism, we've come to the second last topic now, which is the topic of discipleship. And there's no better person to look at than Jesus himself. And some of these things you've heard, but let me just remind you, just because you've heard something doesn't mean it's part of your life. It can just be that you have the information. And when we go and study and look at the life of Jesus, we find the master's strategy of getting this thing done called discipleship. Discipleship was really important to him. So we've kind of divided this strategy that he gave us into into four sections. And I think you can write down those four words this morning as they come. And you may have written them before, but every time we write them, we reinforce it. I don't know, educational psychologists say you need to hear something about seven times before it actually clicks. So we're getting close to seven now. The first thing that Jesus did was he engaged with people. So that's the first word you've got to write down, is engaged. Jesus engaged. He looked Peter in the face and said, leave your nets and come and follow me. But he didn't just call him to be a one-on-one follower. He called him to be part of a community. Because discipleship happens in community. Say that after me. Discipleship happens in community. You cannot be discipled ace out. Independent spirit. You're discipled in a community of brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. And he, he called them, he engaged with them. And in a very real sense, a big part of our strategy is learning how to engage with people. It's, it's learning how to start a conversation and get in front of somebody face to face. Remember that illustration? Graham, I used your illustration from the men's meeting the other day. The three ways to be a successful salesman. 
Number one, get in front of somebody. Number two, get in front of somebody. Number three, get in front of somebody. You've got to get in front of somebody. You've got to have someone in front of you. You can't sit in an office doing charts and fancy things on the computer and think you're going to get sales. You've got to get in front of people, somebody. So engaging is getting face to face. It's doing the things you already enjoy doing, the hobby you already invested in, the fun thing you already have, but just getting somebody in there who's not yet a believer in Jesus Christ. And that's how we engage. Amen? That was the first strategy of Jesus we see is to engage. And that costs something. Who'd like to guess what that costs? T-I-M-E. That is the biggest factor here. Is that we cannot get in front of somebody. We cannot engage with someone who's not a believer if we not, if we don't, or aren't prepared to invest this most valuable commodity of our life. Because hey, come on, let's be honest. It's very easy to get wrapped up in me, my, myself, and Irene. Me, myself, and Irene is a very comfortable, easy way to live. It's going to cost time. I encourage the people on Monday nights that just by their investing of their time, that hour on a Monday night, when the, this part of the tr- course finishes, to, to keep investing that hour, not to let that hour get sucked up in something else. An hour a week, that's all it takes to meet somebody for a cup of coffee. Hello? Engage. Who knows, if you're a single person might lead to engagement. I don't know. The second thing we see, the second word I want you to write down is the word establish. Because that's what Jesus did with his disciples. He began to establish them in truth, in lifestyle, in practice. He did and they watched. There was a strategy behind that. And the strategy was to establish them. And in a very real sense, that's what Peter did after the day of Pentecost. What did Peter do? He got up and he preached the gospel and he said, save yourself from this corrupt generation. People were cut to their hearts and they said, what must we do? All Peter was doing was passing on something that he'd been given. All you have to do, all I have to do is be one step ahead of someone else to disciple. You know, that's all it takes. You heard this beautiful testimony this morning that it's not maturity that equips us for ministry. It's ministering that brings maturity. Ephesians chapter 4, 10, 11, 12. And it's as we engage with non-believers, see them coming to the, to the truth of the gospel, sensing their need for Christ as Savior. You see, it doesn't help if people don't have a sense of a need. We covered this on the evangelism topic, so I won't repeat all those questions uh, we looked at and went through. But let me summarize it very simply. Your good advice means some, nothing to someone who doesn't think they have a problem. 
I'll say that again. Your good advice means nothing to someone who doesn't think they have a problem. When they think they're okay, and they can do it on their own, and they'll work their way out, don't worry, I'm going to save myself. Don't worry, I'll just be a good person. I spoke to someone recently, and they said, I pray every morning that God will help me be a better person, so I'm sure I'm going to get to heaven. I thought all you're doing is putting your faith in yourself, and that's not the gospel. To engage with someone means they come to see they have a need of Christ's 100% forgiveness, salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection. Then we need to establish people. When Peter preached that day, he was discipling without even knowing it, but he was one step ahead. And let me remind you that you who've been baptized in the Holy Spirit are one step ahead of someone who hasn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You who've read through the Bible with some understanding are one step ahead of someone who hasn't read the Bible with understanding. You've been baptized. You, whatever. You who have come to understand the life of giving and sacrifice and living sacrificially or one step ahead of a stingy, self-absorbed, narcissistic generation. Hello? That's what it means to establish. And a lot of this year, going through these topics, is the establishing phase. It's taking a look at what's important for new believers to enter into. And I love it that after Peter preached that sermon, when he passed on the little bit he had, I mean, it's only chapter 2 of Acts. I mean, Jesus just gone. I mean, they just got the Holy Spirit. I mean, he hadn't been to Bible school, didn't have a degree, hadn't studied theology. All he did was he stood up and he said, this is what you've got to do. You've got to repent. And you've got to save yourself from this wicked generation by putting your faith in Jesus so you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it says they were cut to their hearts and that day Thousands were added, and the very next verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, prayer, and the breaking of bread. Nobody had follow-up. Nobody had a fill-up, follow-up cards. These people got radically saved, radically born again, heard the gospel, felt their need, and said, I'm going to devote myself. I'm not waiting for anybody to devote me. I'm devoting myself. Firstly, to the apostles' doctrine. That means there was a hunger to grow in the word. You can't establish someone who doesn't want to be established. Your good advice means someone who, nothing to someone who doesn't think they have a problem or a need. Hello? Wasting your breath. These people were cut to their hearts and devoted themselves. And we see that this leads to the third phase third word I want you to write down is the word equip. Equip to minister. And that's what that testimony was about this morning. Maturity comes when we minister. But we have to equip people to minister. It's one thing to speak about prayer. It's another thing when people start praying. Are you with me? Those folk who came up this morning to pray for these other folk, most of them were with us on Monday night, and we were prophesying and sharing words and visions over each other, and something of faith got stirred up, and I said, come on, if you can do it here, you can do it on Sunday. Let's minister to some people who've got some needs. And then there's a prophetic word in the prayer meeting about people coming out of uh, uh, wheelchairs in, in, in emotional bondages and whatever else, and people got ministered to. And that's just the first step. 
It's equipping people to take the knowledge of what they're learning and to put it into practice. We can teach about prophecy till the cows come home if we don't step out. And sometimes that's all it is, is stepping out. Let me just encourage you. Paul writes, I want all of you to prophesy. This is not the gift for the prophet. Now the prophet's the guy that honed his gift and stepped out and grew in it and developed it. And then he's given as a gift to the church to provoke the prophetic gifting that's in you. Because you have a prophetic gifting. When you get up in the morning and say, thank you Jesus, this is going to be an awesome day. you prophesying over your day. When you bump into someone at work and say, I believe God is with you today, whatever you face. You're prophesying over his day. Prophecy in the New Testament is encouraging, exhorting, and comforting. It's not talking about doom, gloom, and the future destruction of mankind. That is not a New Testament prophet. That was an Old Testament prophet. Leave the Old Testament prophet in the Old Testament. He was just doing his job in the Old Testament. So he prophesied doom and gloom because he was trying to get corrupt Israel to serve Jehovah in an inferior covenant. Leave the Old Testament prophet in the Old Testament and move into the New Testament, which is comfort, exhortation, and purpose when you speak over someone's life. Next time you hear a prophet speaking doom and gloom, say, Old Testament. Hello? I mean, come on, church, by now we should know these things. So, you're called to prophesy. You get in front of somebody. So someone's up here, they come, they're going to need. You don't know what the need is. Sometimes you don't need to know. Sometimes you can ask a question. You just start praying. Because you know that's a beautiful form of ministry. It's just to pray for somebody. It creates the environment for the anointing to operate. Same as a good worship creates an environment for the, of the anointing for the Holy Spirit to work in people's lives. You have that same instrument in your mouth. On Tuesday afternoon, when there's no piano softly playing, when there's no backup singers singing softly, when you just say, I'm going to pray for you. And as you begin to pray, it's like following those lights on the runway. You just take one step at a time and you feel a prompting from God to pray into something. Well, why don't you stop and say, okay, Lord, is there something more you want to add to this? Maybe ask this person a question. I, I sensed, is it, what's happening at work at the moment in your life? Get a, get a, like a, I smell, I smell perfume. What does that mean? What, I, I feel, I feel my heart racing. What does that mean, Lord? Are you, Listen to your body. Pictures start coming to mind. You see someone riding a bicycle, you think, oh, that must be a flashback from, you know, last weekend with my grandkids. Maybe not. Maybe it's just, uh, is it, ask the person, is there something about a bicycle? Not. Okay. I'm clearly not a prophet. No. You step out. You speak. New Testament prophets don't get stoned like Old Testament prophets when they don't get it 100% right. Hello? Thank God. Else Bill would have been stoned long ago. <laughs> I would have been stoned long ago. I mean, he doesn't even have a bicycle. <laughs> that was the illustration. So when you get before someone, sometimes pictures come, sometimes thoughts come.
the last one I want you to write down is Jesus empowered his disciples. He empowered them. He released them. He, he gave them space to go make disciples. When, when your disciples are making disciples, your job is over. Maybe just to mentor or be a father or whatever, or just let them go if they have to. But when your disciples are making disciples, it means they're empowered. Empowering people. That's the final stage. We engage with unbelievers. We establish them in the truth. We equip them to minister them. We, we empower them. We, they have to be let go. They have to get their own families. They have to grow up. They have to mature. They have to move on. And let me tell you, you didn't have to be on Monday nights to get all this. Eh? We've tried through the home groups, through Sundays, keeping the theme. But there's been a good turnout on Monday nights, a good critical mass that are going to spearhead. But one person came to me at the beginning of the year and said, look, we've got this commitment on a Monday night. We can't get out of it. But our heart's still in what you're doing. And that's fine. That was circumstantial. Didn't get to the Monday nights. Couldn't get to the Monday nights. But came to me recently and said, you know, throughout this year, I've been tracking a little bit what's going on. And I've been building a relationship with a couple that were very agnostic, very atheistic at first. But we had a common interest with them, spent time with them, had a meal, questions started coming, and recently asked if we could lead them to the Lord. Which is resulting in them wanting to know more and go further to be discipled, if you like, around being established and equipped. Isn't that beautiful? Imagine if every Christian in the church was doing that. Imagine if every believer was empowered. Do you feel empowered? I know many of you have been through this. You've been engaged. You've come to Christ. You've been established. You've been equipped. You've been empowered. And now you are making disciples. Praise God. That's what you are called to do. I'm going to close with the scripture. I know I had some folk to write down things. You can go individually to those people that you've written that down. I encourage them on Monday night during worship to write down a word for someone. I was going to do some publicly, but we are a little bit out of time. Maybe we can carry that over. This coming Monday night, which is tomorrow night, is our third last night of the Monday nights. We're going to be tackling healing and deliverance. So if you are demon-possessed, please come tomorrow night. We need to practice on somebody. Dave Betts, will you be there tomorrow night? Okay. Okay. We're going to be covering the subject of demonology. And we need some people to practice on who are possessed. And you know what? If our prayers aren't answered and you're not delivered, you can always repossess us. Isaiah 61. Verse 1 says, let's read it together. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, 
and the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Let's stand up together. I declare that the Spirit of God is on us because He's got good news for some people. He's got deliverance for the captives. He's got some freedom for those in bondage. He's got joy for those in mourning and sadness. And that is the work of ministry. The world needs the anointing of God's people to flow by the Spirit of God. Can you just lift up your hands? I want to declare over every single person here today a fresh anointing of the Spirit of God upon you. God has called you to be a minister where you are because no one else is in your place of history right now in your geographic surrounding as you are. You are the minister of God. You are the anointed of God. You need to open your mouth. You need to get over the fears and get out of the wheelchair of paralysis and get into a place of being a blessing to other people. You are called to comfort. You are called to exhort. You're called to lift up the downcast and the heavy laden and to give hope to those whose hearts have been broken. And there's so many out there. We say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Use me. Use me. Use me.